After this service, there is a, a meeting for the Brazil trip, and I want to encourage you. I'm pretty sure every missionary that, uh, that we have sent to Brazil, they got the bug, and I don't mean literally bit by a bug, but I guess yes, but they got bit by the mission bug on a trip to Brazil. And so if your heart is stirring even now, boy, we would love for you to join us next year, and uh, we would love to send more missionaries. So, um, Christopher, I know that you guys have a... a uh, Video. Yeah. Do you want to set that up? Um, this we just have a. It's just three minutes. Denise's brother, uh, Jonathan, he just put this together for us and kind of surprised us with it. Um, it's just kind of a snapshot of small groups, different meetings, uh, just kind of the last uh, year and a half of our life. We planted a church uh, about almost two years ago, and this will kind of set up some of the stuff we're going to be talking about tonight. And also one thing to pay attention to, there's different, you'll see different people preaching other than me and Denise there. And those people are the people that me and Denise have uh, been training that will be probably sent out in the next two years to plant more churches in Brazil. So. (laughs) All right. So... I know, uh, just looking around the room, I know that um, many of you are familiar with uh, Christopher and Denise, but I, could, I, could, you, could I get you guys to share uh, your stories? I've you know, known you, Christopher, for many years, and you, Denise, for a little less, but um, I've always loved your stories. So could you, just to sort of set the tone for today, uh, just share your stories and really what led you into missions, etc.? I think... Uh I haven't even started yet, and I'm already feeling a little bit emotional. I was uh, <laughs> during worship. I was I was reflecting on just the way that God works and how He doesn't always use uh, the person you think He's going to use, and and uh, we see that through the Bible. And I was thinking about how me and Denise's stories, both of our stories in different ways, are really stories of redemption. And some of you knew me. 10, 15 years ago, I would not be the person that you would say, this guy is going to be the, a missionary. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to, tonight, I mean, this morning, I did this last night, this morning, I'm going <laughs> to let Denise share her story first, because I, I felt like we, we were running a little bit out of time, and I, I really want you guys to hear her story. Her story is amazing, then I'll tell some of my story. Okay. And Denise, do you want me to translate for you? or? Yes, you may. <laughs> she said, yes, you may. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> he's, he's ready for Brazil. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's such a, a joy for me to be here with you guys. And, um, well, maybe many of you know my parents, uh, Angelita and Clenildo. Um, but maybe you don't know that they are actually not my biological parents. <laughs> Angelita is my aunt, and Clenilde is my uncle. Uh, when I was about like five, um, six to seven years old, they decided to take care of me. Well, but before that, now that was a good part, <laughs> but before that, I, ha- I went through a lot of very hard time in my life. Like my mother, she 
my biological mother. She had some mental problems and she had to go to a different city to be treated and I didn't have anybody to take care of me so I was passing around in different houses, homes and by the time I I had some physical abuse and some sexual abuse too and plus the rejection I was already feeling because even before my mother had me, she she tried to abort me when I was four months. But as you can see, I survived <laughs> I'm here. And God had a plan, you know, all the way through. Uh, the thing that was coming to my head right before we started was like God's fingerprints were all over my life and I'm sure it is all over your life yeah, too. Right, Maybe yeah. if you you don't see it, you know, sometimes we we don't see it but he's taking care of us. So growing up dealing with those things was really hard, you know, and it still is. It's a process, you know, like healing is like an onion, as I said for the youth group when we spoke. It's like an onion because it has a lot of layers. You know, you God heal one thing and then you, oh, there's another thing. And then it keeps, he keeps doing his work, you know. And I had a really uh, strong encounter with God when I was 13. You know, and by that point, I was already living with my my parents, Angelita and Clenildo. They are pastors. They are, I think, the first ones that started like planting vineyard church in Altamira. And but that that moment in my life, it was like amazing because uh, I I really needed you know Jesus to come in and and do some stuff in me. Because I was a mess, you know, and I really don't, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to make the choice that my, my, my biological mother made, you know. She had her reasons, but I didn't want to go through that path. You know, I, I said, you know, God, I want something different for me. I want what you want for me. And it was really, really hard, you know, just to give, give those areas, you know, give the heart the broken heart to him to let him restore. So the 13 year, it was really, really good. And after that, I just start. I kept like going uh, toward God and just, and I felt like God was gonna use me in, in missions, you know. I didn't know where, I didn't know how. I just, I said, no God, I just wanna press into you and and he started to work with the church you know and and helping when i was 17 i had this amazing thing that happened a friend of mine she was already missionary diana she's from canada she came to me yeah they have good people in canada too does anything, a few. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, the scripture that came to mind, does anything good come from Canada? <laughs> yes. So she told me, I was, she said, you know, Denise, we want to send you to Canada so you can learn English. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and she told me that in August, I did have, I have nothing. I didn't have a passport. I didn't have a visa. And I said, okay. And in October of the same year, I was there. 
two months after God opened the doors, you know, it was crazy, crazy things happened. I was like, God is in this thing, in this thing, mm. you know. And so I spent uh, nine months in Canada uh, with a great family. That's where I started learning English. I didn't know, but God was preparing me for the future because 10 years later, I met Christopher. And I had no plan to, to marry uh, American or Canadian, even though I was surrounded by missionaries all the time, but I was like, mm -mm, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> if I don't know this person, I don't know, uh, I don't want to go into that. And I wasn't, the, I wasn't like some people in Brazil, they're like, I want to marry American or Canadian so I can get out of my country. But for me, it was different. When I came back for Canada, God spoke really clear to me that uh, my that he wanted to use me in my own country, mm. you know, to make a difference because, you know, my story is not unique. We, in Brazil, especially in the area, in the north, there's so much physical abuse, sexual abuse, you know, it's amazing. The numbers are so high, you know, and we are so broken, and I think they, if when people hear me talk about those things, they, they can see that there is a way, you know, God can work through broken people like me. Mm. <laughs> That's a little bit of my story. <laughs> just, just to add on to that, um, I remember, you know, Denise, you told me that story, and I, her story, and she could go into greater detail, and I was like floored by just the twists and turns in her life and being passed around and the abandonment and never knowing her father and being abandoned by her mother and the abuse. And I was just stunned by it. And she, she looked me in the eye and she said, Christopher, that, that's not that uncommon here. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I really believed her until a few years later, me and Denise were working in another church and our, one of our main jobs was counseling. And we... I th the church was small. We probably met with every single person in that church and kind of got to know each person. And, and one evening, we were in our, our bedroom, and I, I was thinking about it. And I said, you know, Denise, and this, I said, this might even be low. I think probably about 80% of this church has been sexually abused growing up. And I said, and probably about 80% of the church has never met their father. And those numbers were, you know, I, I think being around it, and I'm, I'm not saying every area in Brazil is like this. I'm not saying every church would be like this. I don't know. I just know my experience that, and I know that the, like Denise said, uh, there's, uh, the brokenness is just staggering in, in that area. And so, yeah, that, that's one of the reasons Denise has such authority there is, you know, I, I joke around and say, when I, I was going to this church, I was known as Danny Meyer's son. Uh, I moved to Brazil, got married to Denise. I was known as Denise's husband. I, I think finally in the last year, I, I'm, I'm Christopher, but, uh, but Denise is so beloved in Brazil because the way that she has allowed God to use her and she has such a platform, and sh there's so many people that are drawn to her, not just because her musical ability, which is one of the reasons that people really are drawn to Denise, but it's her story, and when she shares it, when she openly shares it a lot, people, it's just amazing the impact it has. But 
so a little bit about me. One thing that's interesting is being up here talking to you guys uh, in itself is a miracle because when I was in middle school to high school, I had severe panic attacks every single time I had to speak in front of a group of people. And every time, I'm not exaggerating. And I kind of swore to myself, I'm never gonna speak in front of a group of people again. And I went back to my parents, I was in, I think, ninth or 10th grade, I don't remember exactly, and I said, Dad, can you write a note to the school that tells them that I don't have to? Because for me, it was humiliating. Every time I would get up in front of a group of people and I would just freeze. And especially at that age, it just, it was yeah. devastating. And it was such a, it had such control over my life. And my dad said, you know, Christopher, I believe that God has a call on your life one day that you will be speaking in front of groups of people. And I, I, I believe there's a, that God's going to lead you out of this. And I fought him on it, but eventually I, I worked my way through it. But even to this day, I'm terrified every time I have to speak in front of a group of people. And because I, I feel there's always this moment where I'm about to go and have a panic attack. Even today, every single time I speak. And... God has gotten me through it, and I have gotten better, and I've learned to speak in front of people, but I was thinking about it uh, yesterday morning. I was preparing for last night, and I was feeling nervous, and the tendency is to be like, to, to be like, God, I, you know, help me, you know, do great, and I believe that I'm going to do great, and I believe that you're going to work through me, and there's nothing wrong for, for praying for that. There's nothing wrong with asking God to work through you and that situations will work out great. But I saw this quote the other day that I started thinking about, and the quote was this. Um, the, uh, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is control. And I started thinking about it, and, I, mm. and also I realized, even if I go in there tonight and have a panic attack, I know, Lord, that you're going to work through it. I know that the, if that's your will, you're going to work through that. And I realized there was like a, a giving of control that I was handing him in that moment and saying, Lord, whatever the outcome, no matter if I do great, no matter if it's horrible, no matter if I humiliate myself, I have always seen that you will work through these things. And going back into my life, you know, many of you guys heard my story I went to Brazil the first time when I was 17. God sp spoke to me at that young age, and I felt like maybe this, there was a call to missions. So a few years later, uh, when I was 20, I went and lived in Brazil for four months. And really trying to feel out, is this the place for me? Can I be a missionary? Like, is that a possibility? What I started to realize within a month of being there was, I am totally not ready for this. And it wasn't that I'm not ready to, you know, you know, follow God or even I'm not ready to live in a different country. I just realized the problem was I had trouble saying, God, I'll give you everything to follow you. I'll give up everything back in my life in the United States if this is because during that point in my life, life was good here. I, would meet, uh, I was playing in a band, me and JT were playing in bands together, and we were, the bands were doing well, and we were, you know, getting more and more popular, and it was, it was, I, I, I liked that attention I was getting, 
And, and amongst other things, I had tons of friends, and I, I realized, like, I'm, I, I can't give it up. And it bothered me that I knew I couldn't. So I began to pray and say, Lord, you know, just prepare my heart for whatever you have for me. Like, mold me into who you want. And people think I'm being dramatic when I share the story, but this is exactly how the story went. I was out on a boat uh, off of a river, off the Amazon, and we're way out in the middle of nowhere, and we pull over this little island, this tropical island. I get off, I go wandering out into the forest, and I was really wrestling with this thought in my mind, the fact that I'm, I can't give it all up. I can't give everything to God, and that bothered me, but I knew I just had such a tight grip over the things that I liked. And I walked out in the jungle, and I, I fall on my knees. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of dramatic sometimes. And I, and, I, and I said, Lord, whatever it takes, humble me. However you have to do it, humble me. I think, JT, I, I think it was you who was talking a few weeks ago about there are certain prayers that people don't really know what they're praying when they pray it, but yeah. that God will always answer. Yeah. So I prayed that prayer, whatever it takes, humble me, and nothing in that moment happened. So a, month or a few months later, I, I, I go back to the States, and within a few weeks of being back, I began to get sick. And... After many, many trips to the hospital, uh, I found out I was diagnosed with an extremely aggressive form of Crohn's disease. And so for the next few years, I was in the hospital constantly and in constant pain. Um, and not, it wasn't just the pain, it was the dealing with feeling like your life's falling apart and all my dreams, no matter if it was to be a missionary or be a musician or anything, everything was off the table now. You got to just, you're in the hospital constantly. And through that time, I, I, uh, the doctors began to prescribe me uh, narcotics and opiates, and I became severely addicted over the next five years to Oxycontin. And my addiction grew and grew and grew and grew, and by the end of it, I was addicted to heroin. I was also diagnosed with hepatitis C, so now I had these two chronic illnesses, it was in constant pain, severely addicted. And some things began to happen in my life where I, I began to, God began to call me out of that. And, I, you know, Brazil was like this distant memory. I, you know, I was so far from God, but God began to call me back because I, I finally started to pray, started to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what else to pray than pull me out of this hole. I can't get out. Hmm. And and one day I was able to slowly get, start getting out of this hole and I, I got clean. My health started to turn around, which in itself is pretty miraculous. And I can't go totally into that story. If you guys have more questions about that, I'll be in the room after the service. But, but when I got clean, I wish that I could tell you, I got clean and life was great again. And the Lord started working through me. But after I got clean, I just went through years of feeling broken and feeling completely lost and feeling empty. I, many times I, I would have this conversation with JT or my dad or my mom or other friends and just say, I, I just feel dead inside. I feel empty inside. I, I don't have any life left in me. 
And because that's how I felt. I couldn't connect with God anymore. I couldn't connect with the Holy Spirit. I was trying, and it just wasn't working. So it, that brings me to this one day that I call my, jokingly call my personal Pentecost. And it, it felt that way. I was, uh, my parents were actually in Brazil, and I was staying and taking care of their house. And I was down in this bedroom uh, reading the Bible, trying to connect with God. And I was trying every day, and I just felt like I was missing the mark, or I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I didn't understand what was going on. And all of a sudden, his spirit filled that room so strong. And I, I began to cry. I, I just, it was the first time in so long that I felt peace. And in that moment, I'm, I'm enjoying it. All of a sudden, I hear this voice that says, are you ready to go to Brazil now? And I, it caught me so off guard because I hadn't thought about Brazil in 10 plus years at that point. It caught me so off guard. I, I'm crying and I'm like, what? What the heck is that? And... I began to hear like my voice in my head saying to JT, saying to my dad, I feel empty inside. I feel empty inside. And then I had this vision and I saw my body laid out on the ground, but it was just my skin. It was just my skin lay there. And I saw Jesus walk into the room and grab my skin and start putting it on like clothes. And he said, Christopher, I had to empty you out so I could fill you back up with me. And I realized in that moment, I said, I'll give it all, Lord. As long as you're with me, I'll give it all. I'll go wherever the ends of the earth that you call me, I'll follow. And the Lord, in many other things, he spoke to me. But during that moment, I, I realized that God was never far from me. And I'm, I want to be clear about something, too. And I understand, you know, this can sound a bit complicated, but I am not saying... God gave me a disease. God got me addicted. I'm not saying that, but what I do believe, and I believe the Bible through stories in the Bible would back this up, that God allowed these things to come into my life so he could get deep into me, so he could clean me out. And so people have asked me, said, you know, if you could go back in time, would you have changed things? Like, if you had the choice, would you have changed? Would you have ch chose not to be sick? Would you have chose not to become addicted? And for a while, that was a difficult question, but it's not anymore. I would go through it all again to get to where I'm at now. And, and so when we think about our lives in Brazil, I mean, it's an easy on paper, you say, you know, here we have the two pastors, uh, an addict, sick, struggles with panic attacks, to a, a abused, <laughs> abandoned. We're not the right people that you would choose on paper, but it seems reading through the Bible that God chose to use yeah. those people quite yeah. often. Yeah. And that we realize that not all of us are called to move to a new country, but all of us have callings. All of us, there's, and what I've realized is even though I was so broken, and people here who knew me before this change began to happen, talked about how quickly things just changed in me. That I came alive. It was like literally day and night. That all I can really, how, the only way I can really explain that is I, it, that's what happens when you say yes to Jesus that I realize God starts giving me these doors to step through every day. And it's my choice to say yes or no. And even most Christians get good at saying no to those doors. 
I'm still trying to figure out how to get better at it, but I've gotten yeah. way better. But I, I, God, the only reason that I think, well, why has God chosen me in Tunisia? And it's because we've said yes, and we continue to try to say yes. And uh, that's the best gift we can give God, is our yes. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> this isn't in my notes, but I, I really feel like right now is one of those times in the service where God is speaking to people. And I, you know, in the vineyard, we want to be, we're all about God's presence. And we want to follow what he's doing. And so I just want to take, like, just a little chunk of time and just ask us all to close our eyes. And uh, we're just going to have it quiet for a little bit. But I want you to just be sensitive right now to, to like, God is speaking to some people. He's nudging. He's putting, bringing thoughts, pictures to your mind. So, Lord, we're just giving you some space right now. And... Uh, I pray that you just come speak to your people. Help us to be aware of what you're saying. Hmm. Yeah. I just feel for so many people the Life, the world has, has just pushed you to the sidelines and God is inviting you right back into the game. Whatever that looks like for you. Whatever that means for you. And so I just encourage you, if you just are aware of something like, you know, grab your phone and write it in your phone or write it in your journal. But as, you know, we're going to continue. But I just, man, as they were sharing their stories, I was like, wow, this is, God's really coming close. So we're going to keep going. So you can open your eyes now because you might fall asleep. Well, no, you won't because you had extra sleep. But So let's switch some gears. Uh, <clears throat> I know we've got some pictures. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So like maybe uh, a well, bit about where you're working, what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. So we live in a, we live in a city called Macapá. It's very north Brazil. We should have got a map and put it up there. But uh, if, you, if you look at the uh, mouth of the Amazon, that's basically where we're, we're located. We're, the equator runs directly through our city, so it is hot. That's why we still have our coats on. We're very yeah. cold here. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's hot year-round. Um, a cool day, like or a cool evening, which not, I don't think it would get down to the 70s in the day. But year-round, it's 80s to 90, to up to 100. I mean, it's, it's hot there. We have, t- we have two seasons, you know, hot and very hot. Uh, and, and very and some, humid. Some of you are like, send me, Lord. Right. Here I am. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we, 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 uh, we moved to that city uh, four years ago, um, initially to help a, 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 a church that was going through a difficult time. There was a vineyard planted there, I think, 14 or 15 years ago. Uh, we were sent there to help that church uh, get, get some things worked out. We were with them for two years. And that went well, and so then we left that church to plant another church in Makapa. Because Makapa is a, a, a bigger city in the north. Um, it's about 450,000 people. Um, but it's funny because it, it's this bigger city, but if you were to fly an airplane over it, it's like the city and then there's jungle on all sides of it. So there's nothing really. You have the Amazon, a city, and then jungle for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. And... Um, so we planted a church, and for some reason we thought it was a great idea because we never planted a church in, uh, before. It was our first church plant. We decided, 
let's plan a church and have a baby the same month. And that's what, uh, that's what we did. Um, and, uh, and Don't try that. Uh, by the grace of God, we, 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 we made it. Uh, but I, I think, you know, if we have some pictures, and we'll go through them pretty quickly, um, but it just kind of gives you an idea of the last two years uh, of our life, and I'll explain as we go. So, so this is the group that we we planted with. This was our the initial group. The guy up in the front, uh, Bob. Some of you guys know him. He is also a missionary sent out from this church. He planted the church with us. Um, so yeah, let's go to the next picture. So this was actually our first service. We started the church in our living room, and yeah. So that's the first service. Let's go next. So the church began to grow a bit. Now, this is a special picture for me because this is the first time that I preached in Portuguese without Denise's help. And that was terrible. If you think preaching in English is hard, that I, like my mom, literally, I was, I was so nervous. And after I got done, she said, now, don't you feel better? I would give you my Texan accent for my mom, but she goes, don't you feel better? And I said, I, mom, actually, I, I feel like I just survived a car accident. I literally <laughs> felt that. I felt like I don't even remember what happened. I, it was just crazy, but, but I got I, through it. I just want to say he did great. <laughs> His first preaching, it was awesome. Um, so, it's, so the church began to grow more. Let's go to the next picture. So it's filling up. I uh, can go to the next picture. And so this is one of the last services we had that was in our house because we basically ran out of room. We were at about at 30 at this point, 25, 30 people, which was about capacity uh, for the room we were meeting in. And on our property, me and Denise were just renting a house, and on the property was this other little house that the owner of the property was using as storage. So I, I kept on thinking, I wish we could use that house for a little church. So I met with the owner and I asked her, I said, can we could we use that little building at, for our church? And she, we've developed a good relationship with her. And she goes, yeah. And I said, but there's one catch. We, can we tear down all the walls inside? <laughs> but we made a deal with her. We, we said, we'll fix the roof. We'll do everything. We'll make it like new if we can tear down the walls. And she accepted. She goes, yeah, go ahead. So that's what you kind of see. We started construction on this little house on our property. Uh, we had to tear down. This is the beginning of tearing down the walls. If we go to the next picture, you can see now all the walls are down. It's not a big building by any means, but it was bigger than our living room. And this was the final product on the outside. Um, and this is a service inside the church. Denise's preaching. Uh, we, and we had a baptism that night. These are the people getting baptized. I have some pictures of our baptism too, just because it's my one of my favorite things that we get to do in our jobs. Um, and this is after the baptism. And I think there's, yeah, this is a service. Uh, now, this is worship going on. And I, I think, I see Charles right there, and there's other people that have visited Brazil as well. One of the reasons that I encourage people to visit Brazil is you gotta experience the worship there. Mm. It is, it, it, it's extremely powerful. They. The Brazilian culture, a culture that wear their hearts on their sleeve, they get into it, and it's just a lot of fun. So, yeah, that's basically where we're at today. Okay. And do and you want to give us a snapshot of missionary life? Just, just push it again. There you go. Well, um, most of the things we do is training and counseling 
and we started the small groups, so we had to uh, teach them how to do it, you know, so we were going to several groups, and, and but basically it's, it's that, like we, uh, Brazil culture is very relational, so we just use that in our favor. <laughs> we just, uh, they love to uh, eat together, you know, spend time together. So they either come to our house or we go to their house and, you know, have churrasco, which is barbecue, <laughs> stuff like that. So we, we find that this is really good for the church, for the community, and just to build relationship and so they can know us and once they know us, they can trust us, you know, and then they can be part of the church and just know that they can uh, follow us, <laughs> I guess. A lot, of, a, a lot of our missionary life, too, is the mission that we work for, Shingu Mission, is a, a church planting mission. That is our main focus, is planting churches. And so a lot of our focus is that, and, and, and working on our church plant, but also training preparing for the next. Um, And like you saw in the video, there's different people preaching. We have two couples that, one couple that will be sent out within this next year uh, to plant a church, and then another couple within the next two years to plant another church. And um, so a lot of our job is that uh, training, and also just living life together. Uh, that sounds simple, but one, I guess the way to explain it is somebody came up to me at one point and, uh, here in the States and asked me, so what form of discipleship do you use? And I was a little bit confused by the question. I didn't realize, I think, at the, at the time, how many different books there are in different types of discipleship. And I was like, uh, Jesus's form of discipleship? I, I, didn't, I didn't really know how to answer him. Good answer. Um, but, but in truth, uh, that is our form. We look through how Jesus did it, and we're like, well, it seems that he spends a lot of time with the people, and he looks for opportunities to teach through living life next to him. And... And so that's been our, a lot of our approach that even there was a guy, uh, Diego, who some of you know, he was preaching at our church one time and he said, you know, when I was first getting to know Christopher, uh, I was a little bit skeptical of this guy, you know, this, uh, this foreigner here and I was trying to feel him out. Is this the, is, do I really want to walk with this guy? And And he said, I hung out with him one time. We went to a pizza shop and we were in line paying for pizza and Christopher ends up talking to the the girl at the counter and he goes next thing I know Christopher was praying for and he goes all of a sudden it dawned on me Christopher's doing what he did in church here at the pizza shop and he said I never seen that before and for me me and Denise both decided which is not always easy we're going to look for those opportunities to teach that type of thing, that we don't just do that stuff inside the church, but this is what we want our life to look like all the time. And so that's a lot of how we, what our lives look like as missionaries. Is yeah. that um, and so is it hard for you, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm thinking you're raising up leaders, it's like, you know, this church is like your baby in a sense, and you're, you're, you're caring for it and nurturing it, and, and is it hard then uh, now being back in the States like, it's like mom and dad have left and the kids are looking after the house. I mean, is that a hard thing for you? It, it's, I, it's hard. I mean, I, I think probably Denise had a harder time with it than I did. I, she was so freaked out about leaving. Um, I was nervous too. But I, I think one of the things, you know, we realized, one, this is God's church. But also we, we felt like we did 
we did we have done our job the best we can up to this point in training and some of these people we had walked with since we moved to Makapa four years ago and we've been extremely proud of them while we've been back in the states that the 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 most awesome thing is the church has kind of has continued the way it was when we were gone and then and I remember I was feeling kind of insecure the other day and I'm looking at all the pictures of, and I'm like they don't even need us anymore but then uh, <laughs> I realized God spoke to me and said you're doing your job yeah and and so yeah it, it's hard but it's also especially for some of these you know pastors or pastors in training there that are going to be sent out we do have we did ordain uh, assistant pastors they're looking after the church right now it's great for them they get to really feel yeah. is this really what we want we're about we want to do and continue to do and so we've been connected with them and you know every week or two we we have we have a facetime meeting with them just to make sure everything's going well so, so um just to keep track of time etc because uh, we, we want to have some time uh, for ministry at the end and <clears throat> but what could we i mean all these lovely people what can we be praying for you guys i mean could you let us in a little bit on that? You, during this time, I, I think, you know, me and Denise came back on this furlough with a few needs. We were, we were tired. We were pretty exhausted. I think, you know, planting a church and having a baby, two things we'd never done before. This was the first furlough where I felt like I, I need a, yeah. a, a real break, where the other furloughs were, you know, we had visiting people and raising support. And the other thing that we're really back here trying to do is raise more support and we're what we realized is uh our family has grown our church is growing our ministry has grown and we basically over the last year probably about eight months out of the last year we there was more money going out than that was coming in and so we really felt like we needed to come and try to raise more support which is one of our favorite things to do no actually it's yeah. one of the more it's one of the most uncomfortable things um to do but it's just part of our job yeah. but just to explain a little bit of that um and how that works is that me and Denise, we like if we get a lot more support we don't get paid anymore like we're on a we get basically the same amount that's been agreed with us and the mission we work for. But what we've been finding is we have another account that's for ministry. And we're, we're going through that account extremely fast, the, the larger our church grows. And we're having to go into our personal funds to pay for ministry. And not, when I say ministry, it's not just um, the church stuff, but it's benevolence as well, where the Brazil's in a financial crisis right now, and we have so many people in the church that have been going through horrible times. We had a woman diagnosed with cancer who couldn't pay for the the surgery, and me and Denise used ministry money to help yeah. pay for that, yeah. and things like that. But we realize we got to try to raise our support if we're going to continue trying to do doing our jobs. So this is one of the cool things, and really, I believe the responsibility for ascending church is that for us to be aware. Of, of needs, and, and so I wanna, uh, I gave this challenge last night. I, I did the math in my head, and it's not accurate, because I did it in my head. But I, our goal, our goal is that we wanna raise their support by $1,000 a month. 
And, and, uh, and here's, the, here's the cool thing with, with missionaries and giving to missionaries. What I'm not saying is, so we need two people to commit to $500 a month. Like, what I am saying is we need 16.83 people <laughs> from this service. And again, don't do the math. But, but what I'm saying is if we could get a chunk of people given $20 a month, right? Because here's the thing. If, if you get big givers and suddenly they have a downturn at work and they drop off, they feel it big time. If you've got a bunch of people giving $20, $30 a month and one or two of them drop off, it doesn't, it doesn't totally wipe them out. Does that make sense? And I know for us, stateside, $20 uh, or $10, whatever it is you'd feel led to give, I mean, it's basically saying, hey, so don't, don't go to Cane's once this month, which I know is, is, is hard, but, because it's very good. I think it's chicken, but I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a little random. I better stick to the notes. But, but I'm just saying, hey, if you could commit to that, I know that we could easily this weekend cover that amount. So here's what I would ask. If you're sitting there going, yeah, we can do that. Don't give money to the church or write a check to the church, to VCDC, because it's just with working with foreign missionaries, there's, it's just tough for us and giving the money, it's a long story. But out on the missions wall, there's cards for Christopher and Denise, or you could go to our church website, vcdc.org, and we have a, a mission site where their lovely faces are there. You just click on donate, and you can donate. You can sign up there, and it will, you know, uh, each month take that out of your account. But I, that's something I want to uh, invite us uh, to do as a church. But also, um, money is important, but prayer is way more important. And just to be praying for them. You've heard their stories. You've heard their lives. You've heard what they, you know, really what God's put in their heart. They're in a big city and they want to plant lots of churches. So that means they need the leaders and they need to train. Like just there's a lot of work ahead. But so be praying for them, uh, for their marriage, for their family. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, uh, we're going to shift gears uh, into a ministry time. One of the things in the vineyard, why don't we stand up? One of the things in the vineyard is, is, uh, and really, this is the example of Jesus. We don't want to just talk about things. We want to, we want to do them. We want to participate in them. And, and uh, all through the service, and that's one of the reasons why I stopped and sort of stepped away from the program for a little bit, is I just know that God's been coming real close uh, during, this, during this talk this morning. And he's been you know, nudging you and tugging on some of you and just making himself known to you. And so we typically end off our services by having a ministry time. And uh, Christopher, do you, I know last night you had some thoughts. you want to add that before we call people up? Um, there's a few different things that came to mind. Uh, you know, if you feel a call to missions, then you, or you feel even just the slight tug uh, that possibly God could be calling you to any kind of missionary work, I would love if you came up. We could pray for you. Also, um, you know, I, I had this thought, like, uh, real quick, my friend Diego was in town visiting from Brazil here, and he asked, he asked me, he was trying to figure out why I moved to Brazil, and he said, Christopher, do you, why did you leave here? It's awesome in the States, and then I was like, well, you know, there's good things about each country, and then he said, well, what, what do you like better? Do you like Brazil better? Do you like the United States better? What? And I thought about it, and I answered him, I said, you know... I don't really think about it. I never think about, I never compare the two, but I was like, Jago, I, I love my life because I know I'm doing exactly what God created me to do. And 
I'm walking, I feel like I'm walking with purpose because I'm walking step in step with him. And I said, I could do that anywhere and I would be happy. And I felt like there's probably people here that just need to feel that purpose in your life again. Like, what am I doing? Where, what am I doing in my life? I feel disconnected from God or I feel like I, I just I feel disconnected from his kingdom and what his kingdom's doing. So I'd like to pray for you as well. And the last thing is when me and... Uh, when I was talking about uh, my past as far as with addiction and being away from God, um, one of the things I, I'm very aware of is how hard that was on my parents and how devastating it was for my parents seeing their son so far from the Lord and struggling with addiction or this or that. And so I, I feel like there's some parents here as well that ch- they have children that are far from the Lord or that are struggling. And... I feel like God wants to come and fill your heart with hope and for it to give you the awareness that he, even if you don't see it, he is working yeah. and he does have a plan. And I just felt like uh, if, you, if you deal with rejection, you know, it keeps coming to my head, uh, we also would like to pray for you. Okay. So if any of the things that they said, if that tugs in your heart, that's God inviting you. So we want to invite you on up to get prayer. Also, uh, we love to pray for people here at the Vineyard. If you have any pain in your body, physical pain, emotional pain, we would love to pray for you. God uh, loves us. God loves to come close and comfort us and heal us. And so uh, Brielle's going to come on up and lead a song. So we'll have one last song. And uh, I just want to invite you to come up for prayer. And typically what we do at the Vineyard is guys pray for guys, gals for gals. So uh, come on forward now. And then uh, if you're not coming up for prayer or praying for someone, uh, uh, just enter in and join in the song and then I'll end the service off.